It's also about paying attention to your child's unique temperament. As I've said earlier this weekend, the idea of the nigun miyuchad, every child having a unique melody that we have to bring out in them. And I'm going to end with a story. There's a child, 16-year-old boy, going to a yeshiva high school in the United States. And he was a troubled kid. And the second Shabbos was over, he runs to the main block of his town, where the stores are, goes down some steps, and he lights up a marijuana cigarette. The head of his yeshiva takes Shabbos out a little later. He waits 72 minutes. And he's walking home, going by this street. He smells the marijuana and recognizes it. Now, by the way, why he recognized it is another question. Okay? And he um, looks down and sees one of his students getting high. This is like a serious yeshiva. Kicks the kid out of the school. Zero tolerance policy. Nobody knows about it except the principal who was walking home. So... The parents pick up the phone, they call me, they say, you got to help our kid. If he's kicked out of this school, he's going to go downhill fast. I call the principal, I say, listen, um, give me a break. I'll give the kid a drug test once a month, I'll fax it into your private fax number, I'll call you with a weekly psychotherapy report about how the kid is doing, it won't affect the reputation of your school, nobody knows about it, let me see him. And I wore the guy down, he said, fine. Okay, seeing the kid for a couple of weeks... And as I'm seeing him more and more, it becomes clear to me there are two reasons why kids do drugs, to be simplistic. It's to feel good or to feel better. That's a very simplistic statement. He was doing it to feel better. He was self-medicating a depression. He came from a family whose bumper sticker was Ivy League or die. Everybody in that family needed to do well in school, and the dream was that every kid would get into a top university in the United States, And all of the older siblings were brilliant. And we're getting into these top universities. This was a younger brother. He was not feeling terribly competent because he had an undiagnosed attention deficit. I diagnosed that he had an undiagnosed learning disability and accompanying attention deficit. And he was growing up feeling that he was constantly disappointing. His parents became depressed and self-medicated. So I was seeing him. He still wasn't getting better because he still felt the disappointment reflecting back to him Every time his parents saw him, he felt he couldn't make anybody in his family happy. He just felt like a big failure in life at age 15, 16. So I asked him, does anybody get you? Does anybody in your family understand you? He said, yeah, my grandfather. My mother's father understands me. So I said, can we have a session? We'll have your your mother's father come in and your parents, and we'll talk it out. Sometimes when a grandparent gets a kid, they could help me also. So I called the grandfather in. And I had permission to tell him the story of what happened to his grandson. It turns out the grandfather is running the business that's paying these huge Ivy League tuitions, $50,000 a year plus, to send a kid to a top university in the United States. So, very wealthy guy. He's supporting the whole extended family, and he hears about this grandson, and this grandson's problem. This grandson, by the way, was terrible at school, but he was very street smart. Very street smart. Just wasn't book smart. And he immediately gets furious, and he turns to his daughter and his son-in-law, and he says, you never told this boy why this family exists? 
you never told him about my story? And he turns to his grandson. He says, let me tell you about my story. He said, I was your age. I was exactly like you. I also had older siblings who were superstars. But I was good at seeing patterns, hidden patterns. And I saw Hitler was going to kill us all. I was growing up in Europe. My older siblings were married, very successful in what they were doing, greatly successful in academic areas. But I saw that Hitler and the Nazis were closing in on us. And I begged my parents, let's get out of here while we can. And they just totally ignored me. And he turns to me, he says that they believed in psychologists back then. They would have schlepped me to a guy like this. A little dig for me, okay? And then he turns to his daughter and his son-in-law with tears in his eyes. He says, you know what happened? Every one of them was killed. I got away just in the nick of time. I started the business that's supporting everybody in the family. It's because I have the soul and the spark of this boy. That's why. It's because I have exactly this kind of style and this kind of temperament. Everybody's gone. My brothers, my sisters, my parents, they all were killed by the Nazis. And he turns to his daughter and he says, if you can't make room for this kind of soul, I don't have anything to do with you. And he gets up, slams the door in my office, drives away. I never see him again. But what's left in my office is three people crying. The mother, the father, the son. And you could almost see their bumper sticker expanding to let in this kind of a child. The end of the story, my wife sometimes says I shouldn't say because it sounds like I made it up. But it's true, so I have to tell you the truth. What ended up happening, this happened about maybe 20 years ago. Today, this young man, now a middle-aged man, is, well, not quite middle-aged, but getting there, is running the business very successfully, and his older siblings are all working for him. 